Good morning. Welcome to Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. So thank God for the rain, but if you're praying for it, stop. <laughs> no, we actually need the rain and we're grateful for it. And so thank God for it. It's cleansing and we're just going to pray that not only is it raining outside, but that His Spirit would rain down on us inside. Amen. We're asking for revival. We're asking for renewal. We're asking for redemption. We're asking for restoration. We're asking for God to work a miracle in our hearts and our lives today. Amen. All right. Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. We want to ask you to take the time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. You can place it in all in places they come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. In the meantime, church, I want to share with you a little bit about what's going on here at Robertson Avenue and invite you to come and be a part of that. Starting... Uh, tonight, we will have, of course, our 6 o'clock Bible study or worship service. Come and be a part of that. It's a lot of fun. It's a little more laid back, but it's still a worship service. But you are invited to that. Uh, Wednesday night at 630. Uh, I want to remind you, Friday is our fish fry. And that's going to be going on at um, 530 to 730. You can still get tickets for that. You can see Esther. You can see several ladies. Uh, Jerry, I think, is, is selling them as well. And, of course, Monica and Office is selling them until Thursday. I think Thursday is our last day. Is that right, Monica? So Thursday will be our last day to sell those tickets. So, so closing time at, at 2 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, if you haven't got a ticket, call me. We'll get you one anyways. Amen. So we want to get you in there. We want to get you some of that catfish or some of that cod. Come and be a part of that. Well, we're trusting that God gave you and your family a blessed and wonderful Mother's Day. And so we're looking forward to our upcoming Father's Day. And all you men should say amen right now. That's right. Amen. Praise God. We deserve a day, don't we, Dad? All right. Uh, but the reason why I'm bringing that up is because out in the foyer, you'll find we have several little baby bottles. And those baby bottles are our baby bottles for Hope Pregnancy Center. Uh, we were asking you to put your spare change inside. We'll take one of those bottles, sign it out, put the number of it on there. There's a, a bottle number on there. And take it home with you. Fill it up with your spare change or your loose bills or anything you want to put in there. Uh, they even take checks. And put them inside there, and that baby bottle change can change somebody's life. It goes to a Hope Pregnancy Center. It's a wonderful ministry, and it helps provide alternatives to those that are looking for abortion. It also helps those that are in need, and it helps minister to ladies who do not know Jesus Christ. It is a powerful, powerful ministry, one worthy of your prayers, one worthy of your support. And don't forget to get your bottle on the way out the door today. Let your change change somebody's life. Uh, we are still looking for choir members, though this is a good-looking choir behind me. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you need to come and be a part of that. I was singing in this morning, and the first thing I said was, there's not enough men in here. So we need another man or two. We need a bass. We need a couple other things. You know, if you're a man that can sing soprano, we need you too. Amen? Come and be a part of that. So it is a wonderful and joyous time. Practice today is at 4.30. Is that right? Practice today at 4.30. Right here in the sanctuary, come and be a part of that. You're invited. And then, of course, we'll follow up with a refresher practice next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. You can come and be a part of those if you want to be in that choir next Sunday. All right. Uh, other than that, I want to remind you that our upcoming Vacation Bible School workshop is Saturday, May 22nd at 10 a.m. It's going to be in the Fellowship Hall. And so we're still needing a few teachers, a few aides, and always needing helpers. And we definitely need your prayers. So please prayerfully consider being a part of that Vacation Bible School workshop Saturday at 10. The actual Vacation Bible School date is the 6th through the 10th 
of June. So be in prayer for that, please. All right. Uh, you may have noticed inside your bulletin, you'll find we have a fifth Sunday singing coming up. That'll be our last Sunday of June. Excuse me, last Sunday of May. And uh, we're going to use our Sunday evening service for that. We've invited all of our local area churches, sister churches, to come and be a part. And so if you'll start praying about that, we would greatly appreciate that and see what God will do in it. I believe we're planning on having a little bit of a meal there. I think we're going to have some hamburgers and hot dogs before the singing. And then that way we can sing on until we're ready to go home. So be a part of that as well. If you want to sing a special that night or want to be a part of it, want to showcase a little bit of Robertson Avenue, Get with Brother Robert, and we'll get you in on that as well. All right, is there any other announcements I may have missed, which is a possibility? We have a lot going on at Robertson Avenue. So, I'm sorry, sir. Thank you, Thursday Bible study for men at 7.30, is that what? 6.30, at 6.30. And I think the women have completed their Bible study, is that right? So, uh, they'll be picking it back up in September. Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay, thank you. So, uh, also... Sign up dishes for, uh, excuse me, sign up sheet for side dishes for Fifth Sunday Singings in the foyer. If you want to uh, come up and, and show off your, your banana pudding, I want to help you eat that. So if you, would, if you would sign up for that, I would appreciate that as well. We're going to need some help in that. We're expecting a good crowd. And so be in prayer about that and prayerfully consider being a part of that as well. Uh, I believe there's another thing. And oh, yes, uh, we have our promise keepers coming up. That's going to be in July. There's a sign-up sheet as well out there if you're interested in that. Men or young men, and you want to be a part of the Promise Keepers, that is a neat, neat, neat institution and organization, and we're asking you to prayerfully consider being a part of that as well. I believe the women are having a retreat as well, and so they, too, have put a sign-up sheet out there, and there will be some more information to follow. I think there's already some on the slide for that as well. Women of Joy, I think, is what it's called this year. And I think they're going to San Antonio. We're going to a stadium. They're going to the Riverwalk. Guys, what's wrong? I don't know, but I'm feeling a little cheated here, you know? So anyways, guys, uh, get in, get involved in that, and we'll find out what God can do through our Promise Keepers Institution. All right. Is there anything else I may have forgotten? Praise God. I've got them all. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and after we pray, we'll turn the service over to Brother Robert. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Would you bless us, Lord, with a double portion of your spirit? I just pray, Lord, your spirit would move and touch us. Help us to worship you in truth and spirit, and may your name be glorified. Please, Lord, be with those this morning who are out traveling, those who are sick, Lord, and those who couldn't be here for any other reason. Let them know that we love them, Lord, and that we're praying for them, and I pray that you would bring them safely back to us. So we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning.
Well, good morning. <laughs> I am so happy to be the pastor of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Where else in the world can you get singing like that? Where else can you get so many talented and wonderful people? And let me just tell you right now, God is moving in Robertson Avenue, and we want you to be a part of that. Do you have your Bibles with you? Open with me, please, to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. We're going to be in the first chapter. Of course, we're going to jump around a little bit this morning. The book of Philippians. Now, when I went to Bible school, I had one of the ex- wonderful, distinct privileges of translating the book of Philippians from Greek. That was my entire semester in my advanced Greek class of translating it uh, from Greek into English. And we got graded on it in the end. It was a lot of fun, and I spent a lot of time in Philippians. It was a little bit over a semester long, so about a semester and a half to complete that class, my advanced Greek class. And I had so much fun, and I learned so much from that. As a consequence, though, every time I read the book of Philippians, I think I bring out something Greek to you. Of course, some of you will hit me up with a joke on the way out the door. Say, Pastor, that was Greek to me. Look with me in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses here. Uh, Let's look in chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. The Bible says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains. They are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. All right. So, if you'll look back, we have this picture of some hands clasped together. The title of this morning's message is, On the Other Hand. I'm going to introduce you to a Greek phrase, if you will, called men. That's right, you spell it M-E-N, men. So, it has nothing to do with man or mankind. Literally, what it means, it's a, uh, it's a clause, and it kind of means a clause that brings about contrast. And so, look at this, but I want you to consider that. And the whole time, you should be mindful of what's on the other hand. So, with that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. ask you to speak to us as we look at your word. Teach us. Open our hearts to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father, that needs to get their heart right with you, would you let today be the day we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, remember Paul, as he's writing to the church in Philippi, he says, Some are preaching out of envy. Some are preaching out of strife. Some are preaching to try to prove me wrong. Some are trying to preach to make me look bad. And some are preaching out of love. Some are preaching because they really have a call from God. And so you have that Greek, if you will, article. It's disjunctive article. It's men. If you look up at the top of your screen, you'll see the original word there in Greek. Men. Men. Sounds just like saying men. It has nothing to do with mankind, though. It's a particle, it's disjunctive, and it's untranslatable. It's kind of there. It's generally answered by A. Each of the two introducing a clause intended to be contrasted with each other. So literally, quite literally, you could translate that Greek uh, word, that particle, as on the other hand. 
on the other hand, and we're going to take a look this morning at some hands, if you will. To be literal, it would sound something, if I were to translate it, it would sound something like this. In this hand, if we were to translate what we just read, it would sound like this. In this hand, some are preaching because of envy, but on the other hand, some are preaching out of goodwill. It was a, a uh, conjunction that brought about contrast. A particle that brought about contrast. In this hand, some are preaching because of envy, but on the other hand, some are preaching out of goodwill. So we have a picture this morning of two hands. I thought we would have a little bit of fun this morning and look at the hands of the Apostle Paul. Have you ever stopped to think about what his hands would have been like? What kind of hands would he have had? The Apostle Paul. This is the same Apostle who held the coats as they stoned Stephen. This is the same Apostle that went to Damascus with letters from the high priest to bring Christians into prison, into jail. He was there when and they were killing Stephen, and he would have been there when they were torturing Christians. What kind of hands did the Apostle Paul have? Were they small? Were they baby hands? Were they large hands? Were they rough? Well, for you to take a scholar, and he is a scholar, and let me tell you, the Apostle Paul has forgotten things we will never know. He learned things that we could not recapture. What kind of hands did he have? I wonder to myself, what kind of hands would he have? And as a man who was contrasting, he would say, on one hand, I have this. On the other hand, I have that. What kind of hands did he have? Well, let's take a look at some kind of hands the Apostle Paul might have had in his ministry. Look with me, please, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. In fact, I want to challenge you with it this morning. I want you to know that God is wanting all of us to become better Christians. He wants us to become a little bit more committed in our Christianity. Can I get an amen on that this morning? He wants us all to start being more worshipful. He wants us all to start being more devoted. He wants us all to be more committed to be a part of what He's doing. I know the news has got us all downhearted, but I want you to remember that Jesus Christ still sits on the throne, and He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So there's nothing that this world can do that can defeat His church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. What kind of hands did the Apostle Paul have? You've been watching the news. You've been watching what's going on in our beloved Israel. Are you praying for the peace of Jerusalem? I know you are, because you're God's people. Amen? We're commanded to do stuff. We're praying for them. We love them. And we're asking God to bless them. And church, back to our original question, what kind of hands did Paul have? Well, of course, they were Jewish. What kind of hands did he have? First Timothy 2, 8, the Apostle Paul writing to a young preacher in Timothy. Timothy. He says, Timmy, you're young, you're impressionable, and there's going to be times in your life when people come up with false gospel, when people come up with false teaching, when people are going to bring things to you that are not of the Bible. Incidentally, I've been in the ministry for 28 years, and that happens almost every day. You can't go to Walmart without somebody trying to give you some kind of false gospel nowadays. Did you go to the rabbit fest yesterday? You know what? I was surprised at what people will wear out in public. Maybe, maybe I should be more surprised with what people wouldn't wear in public. Because they were indecent. 
And let me tell you, uh, I looked about me. Betsy and I were out there. We did a lot of prayer. We did, we did a little bit of evangelism work. And so if you're visiting with us or tuning in on our live stream, because of that, we want you to know that you are prayed for and you're right where God wants you. Now, church, God is wanting us to start being a little more committed. God's wanting us to be a little more dedicated. God's wanting us to spend more time in His Word. When we do that, we find ourselves worshiping more often. And when we worship more often, we find ourselves serving more often. And when we serve more often, we find ourselves winning the loss to Christ. So the first kind of hands we need to have, as Paul wrote Timothy, is holy hands. Look at me in 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. The Bible says, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. Oh, I love here at Robertson Avenue, we got some hand raisers here. Praise God. I wish everybody would raise those hands, holy, without wrath, without doubting, knowing, Father God's accepting your worship. Amen? Knowing that He's here in this sanctuary with us, feeling His presence, knowing that He's going to be with us, and that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Paul was talking to Timothy, and Timothy had all kinds of problems in his life. Timothy had all kinds of false teachers coming to him. He had all kinds of people saying, Timmy, you're too young. Timmy, you're too old. Timmy, you're too loud. God forbid they might say, Timmy, you're a little too fat. <laughs> Timothy, one of my favorite people in the Bible. Paul says, I desire, therefore, that the men pray up everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. And we have a beautiful picture there for you of a gentleman worshiping. Right above him is, of course, 1 Timothy 2.8. And I want, to un- I want you to understand what Paul is talking about here. Not only is he talking about being able to worship, not only is he talking about being able to bear yourself before the Lord, he's talking about coming with an attitude of complete surrender. Anywhere in the world, when you quit fighting, when the fight is over, this is universal for I surrender. And when you get in front of God Almighty, we should be saying, I surrender. I surrender all, Lord, I'm yours. That's what worship is. Apostle Paul writes Timothy, and he says, you need to raise up holy hands. Now, if you were with us in Bible study last Wednesday, we talked about those holy hands and what it had to mean. It means clean hands. Clean hands. Holy doesn't just mean something that's spiritual. Holy means clean and clean living. It's kind of hard to worship when you're not living clean. In fact, the Bible tells us in James 4 and verse 8, it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So we get this picture then of people with dirty hands. With dirty hands. Now, I spent some time in the educational field. And one of the things I used to really dread is when my kids would come forward and try to shake hands with, with, the, with the teacher and there was always something sticky in their hands. You know they'd be eating lollipops and candy and bubble gum or they spill something over. Or, you know what little kids do most of all? And you know we love them and there's nothing wrong with what they do. But usually as a teacher, you see everything that's going on in the room and just about every little kid when no one's looking sticks their finger right up the nose, don't they? And then they come by and want to pat you on the shoulder. You're like, oh, no. No. You left that on me. Church, we're supposed to be lifting up clean hands to God. And when we involve ourselves in the sin, and when we involve ourselves in the things that are unholy, it's like we're treating God like that. The Bible says, 
cleanse your hands. So let's take a look at the Apostle Paul's hands for just a minute. We're contrasting them for just a second. From one hand to the other. What's the difference in those hands? Well, Paul says, raise up holy hands, clean hands. You know what kind of hands the Apostle Paul might have had? Shackled hands. How many times did he spend in prison? Shackled hands. I mean, you could go on describing the Apostle Paul's hands. He even had waterlogged hands, didn't he? He spent a night and a day in the deep, in the water, floating on a log. Let's take a look at his shackled hands. Look with me in Acts 26. Look with me in verse 24. The Bible says, Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in the corner. The Bible says in verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you're almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. The chains that were on his arm as he stood there preaching to Agrippa and the Festus. Apostle Paul had shackled hands as well. And we can see a picture there of the Apostle Paul. Perhaps that's how he looked that day. I love this one because they show him writing. Though we know that's probably not true. We know that most of the time he dictated his letters. Why did he dictate them? Because he was going blind. Why was he going blind? Because he probably didn't get all his sight back on the Damascus Road. We often think he gets 20-20 vision. No, he gets the ability to see back. So we read throughout the Bible that he has problems with his eyes after that Damascus Road experience. And so he dictates his letters and someone else writes them. And in the end, he signs them. He signs them as they're read back to him, saying, this is what I wanted to say. And so we have Paul here in the prison. Probably not quite a realistic look at the prison. I want you to pay attention to that for a second. And I want to describe to you what an early Roman prison would have looked like. It more likely would have been a dried up well in this time frame. It would have been a cistern, if you will, down in the ground where there would have been torches and brackets stuck in the wall. It would have been dark. It would have been smelly. It would have been musty. There would have been a little bit of muddy water in the floor everywhere you went. And, of course, there would be, guess what? Rats. Rats everywhere. It would not have looked clean like that. I mean, that, that was a, that's a royal prisoner kind of cell right there. No, the Apostle Paul was treated as a heinous criminal. And they shackled his hands to the wall. And they shackled his feet to the ground. And most of the time, they had an entire Roman guard in the cell with that dangerous preacher. Three or four Roman guards in the cell with him with swords, spears, and shields in full armor for fear of what he might preach. Apostle Paul, he had holy. Perhaps this morning, you've already been convicted a little bit about when we talk about holy hands, being clean hands. You say, Pastor, my hands aren't quite clean. Will God accept my worship this morning? 
Perhaps this morning you're sitting there in the pew and you say, my arms and my hands feel shackled. I don't know what to do. I'm beginning to feel useless. I feel like my hands are tied and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. I'm not Paul who can write something down. I need to be able to use my arms in my life. Could you imagine what that would be like to not be able to use your arms? How useless would you feel? Paul's hands. They were definitely holy. They were shackled. They were clean. Sometimes they were useless, weren't they? They were used for writing. They were used for healing. You could go throughout the Bible to find out where he laid his hand on the sick. Sometimes he even laid his hand on the dead and they would rise up. They were praying hands. They were loving hands. They were holding hands. They were working hands. As the Bible tells us, he was a tent maker. They were also guilty. Guilty hands, sinful hands, and without a doubt, they were human hands. What kind of hands did the Apostle Paul have? On the other hand, was always on the other hand when it comes to thinking like that. I want to give you one last trace of the Apostle Paul's hands, really where we're getting to this morning. One last trait. Now, I don't want you to forget that he had holy hands. And I don't want you to forget that he had shackled hands. And I don't want you to forget that he was extremely human. Human hands. But he had other kinds of hands, too. What kind of hands did he have? What it would have felt like to have the Apostle Paul come in, lay his hands on you, pray for you, and for you to be healed. What kind of hands were those that could lift up the sick? and they would be healed. What kind of hands were those that would lay on dead people and they would stand up alive? What kind of hands were those that worked for their own food? What kind of hands were those that would bleed? That would love? That would caress? That would comfort? What kind of hands were those? I want you to see one more slide of the Apostle Paul's hands. Look with me in Acts chapter 28. I told you we're going to jump around a little bit this morning. Acts chapter 28. Let's take one last trait the Apostle Paul's hands. Acts 28. Now, don't forget Paul's hands were holy. Don't forget Paul's hands were shackled. Don't forget his hands could swim at times. Don't forget his hands were at one time sinful. Don't forget his hands one time raised up in glee at the stoning of Stephen. Don't forget they held the coats of those that were murdering Stephen. Don't forget those hands drug Christians out of houses and into the court of the high priest. Don't forget those hands are the same ones that wrote Timothy. I want all men everywhere to raise up holy hands. Timothy, I want you to realize holy hands are clean hands. You might be sitting there this morning saying, can God clean me? God can clean Paul. He can most certainly clean me. You might be sitting there saying, I feel like I'm shackled. If God can free the Apostle Paul, imagine what he can do with you. Look with me, please, Acts chapter 28. Start with me in verse 1. Now, when they had escaped... Now, let me give you a little background, though. The Apostle Paul is actually on a ship. He's on his way to Rome because he'd appealed to Rome. Even when we looked at that last story about him 
saying, I wish everybody would be a Christian just like me, except for these chains on my hands. Well, they decide not to let him go, and he appeals unto Caesar. And, of course, they're sending him on the road, and he's going from boat to boat because they don't know where to put him, and they don't know how to take care of him. And when he finally gets on a boat on the way to Rome, it has a shipwreck in the middle of the night. They have a large storm to come, and he begins to comfort the people, to stay with the ship. Of course, the ship breaks up, and they swim to land. And when they get there, they meet some barbarous people. Let's find out what happens here. Verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Now, I want to talk to you for just a minute. I have seen enough television in my lifetime to start thinking that if I was in a shipwreck and I swam to shore on a broken, busted piece of the boat and I got there and a bunch of natives met me there and started building a fire, I'd probably be a little scared. I'd start thinking, oh my goodness, I've landed with a bunch of headhunters or something like that. I'd think, what are they doing? Well, the Bible says they showed them no little kindness. Do you know why that was? That's because it was cold. That's because they were freezing and they got there. They were hopeless. They were helpless. And they were at their mercy. And these barbarians, the Bible says, these natives built them a fire. The Bible says they built them a fire. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you've had some fire building hands? When's the last time you put some fire under some Christians that were all wet from this world? When's the last time you have reached out to an Apostle Paul and said, I love you, I'll provide for you, I'll take care of you, I know you're cold. Somebody say amen this morning. It's time for us to start building some fires. Now these natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. We're in verse 2 here. Because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. That's one heck of a fire-building skill. They built the fire in the rain. I can't keep the barbecue grill going out back. <laughs> these, that's why Betsy does all the grilling at the house now. These guys built the fire in the rain, and they were able to stand around and warm themselves over it. Look at verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, why? Because Paul had working hands. He wasn't afraid to get out and get involved. He wasn't afraid to be a part of what was going on. He didn't sit there in the pew saying, what if nobody likes me? What if everybody thinks I'm short? What if everybody thinks I've got ugly hands? No. Paul got out and he picked up some sticks and something bad happened. How many of you know that sometimes bad things happen in this life? Sometimes bad things happen. Well, you know what happened. This is as bad as it could possibly be. Out of that bundle of sticks comes a doggone snake. Bites him right on his hand. Look with me in verse 3. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out and because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Verse 4. When a native saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. A word of explanation. Justice was one of their gods. They worshipped justice and they thought, well, perhaps this man was a murderer. He was under arrest, obviously, and of course he was going to escape in the sea or escape on this island, but the God justice has gone ahead and taken care of justice as it sees fit. 
Well, the Bible tells us in verse 5, but Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked up for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, well, Paul must be a god. Look at verse 7. In that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us cordially for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him, prayed, and he laid his hands on him. Remember, he had healing hands. And healed him. In verse 9, so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. And they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. They have a wonderful picture I want to show you of the Apostle Paul with a viper on his arm. I really wanted to find one of him shaking it into the fire. That's really what I want to talk about this morning. Not only did Paul have holy hands, not only did Paul have shackled hands, but church, he had some snake-bitten hands too. Amen? There are some of us that when we get a snake bite in our lives, we start acting like it's the end of the world. We get a snake bite on our head. We act like everything's against us. We act like we're going to fall down and die. But we need to learn some things from the Apostle Paul. We're learning from his hands this morning. When we get a snake bite, we need to do what the Apostle Paul did. So the first thing I guess we need to talk about is what is a snake bite? Well, we already know who the snake is. Can I get an amen on that? The snake is the devil. He's a rat, and he's still biting people today. He's still going around biting people today. He's active in the church. He's active in families. He's really active in marriages. I think right now he loves breaking up marriages, and there's nothing better than a snake bite to do so. What is a snake bite, you might say? A snake bite to me is what somebody said about somebody. Because look at the picture there in the Bible. The picture says that they gather around and they start whispering in each other's ear, saying, that guy must be a murderer. How many of you know that's exactly how the devil works? He loves to talk through gossip. He loves to talk about what's happening in somebody else's life. Say, well, I guess they got what they deserve. Isn't that how he works? You know what I call that? A snake and you might have had some snake bites in your life. And you might say, what do I do with it, Pastor Joshua? Well, I want to show you what Paul did. The first thing the Apostle Paul did when that snake came out and bit him on his hand, the first thing we need to do is realize what Paul was doing to get bit. The devil isn't going to bite anybody that isn't working. Can I get amen? If you're getting bit, you should praise God. That means you're doing something in the kingdom of God. Some of you start need to have some snake bites in your life. You haven't had a snake bite in years. You're so scared of a snake bite, you're afraid to pick up just a bundle of sticks. Don't be afraid. It's just a snake after all. All you have to do is what Paul did, is shake him in the fire. This snake came out and bit Paul on the hand. Now, understand, it's just a snake bite. You might say, oh my goodness, Joshua, it's a poisonous snake. I've read about those snakes. Snakes kill. Yes, they do. Let me tell you, there's nothing more powerful than gossip. Amen? There's nothing more powerful than a rumor. There's nothing more powerful than a lie about somebody. And it's just as poisonous, it's just as venomous, and it's just as deadly as a snake bite. Apostle Paul was bitten by the snake on the hand, and he refused to accept the situation. I love Paul for that. He had holy hands. He had hands that were shackled. He had hands that swam in the ocean. He had hands that had written books of the New Testament. He had hands that had cuddled. He had hands that had held and comforted. He had hands that were not only holy, but a long time ago they were unholy. 
holy hands. And when that snake reached down and bit those hands, he did what any one of us should do. You know what we do nowadays? This is year 2021. We'd lay down and quit, wouldn't we? We'd lost, we'd fall down and say, I read about that kind of snake, and this snake bite is completely deadly, and I'm going to die. So we do that when somebody says something about us. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to quit. Oh, my goodness, I can't be a part of that. Oh, my goodness, somebody doesn't like me. I'm quitting. You know what that is? It's just a snake bite. That's all it is. And we go from church to church to church to church to church, trying to find somewhere without a snake. But I want you to know that wherever God's people are working, there's going to be a snake. Can I get an amen on that? You have been snake bit because you are doing God's work. And when a snake bites you, don't give up. Start praising God. That means you're doing something good. Some of us give up when a snake bites us. Some of us think that's the end of the world, or we read about that kind of snake, and therefore we just have to kill over and die. Not the Apostle Paul. He did what every Christian needs to do. When a snake bit him on the head, he walked over to the fire and shook that devil into the fire. He didn't accept the situation. He said, burn up. You're going to hell anyway. Amen or oh me. Have you been sitting in the pew all those years saying, I got snake bit, I'll never pick up a bundle of sticks again. I need your help. The fires are burning low. It's year 2021, and churches are dying in America. Why? Because we've let the fear of a snake bite keep us from picking up sticks. You know what the sticks are? It's the Word of God. It's evangelism. It's the ability to witness. It's doing the will of God wherever you are. And you might be saying, I'm afraid I'm going to get bit. You are going to get bit. Shake him off in the fire. Throw him where he belongs. Remind him where he's going. Do you remember what the demons would say to Jesus? When Jesus would come into contact with the demons, they'd say, are you here to put me in the fire before the day of judgment? They are terrified of the fire. Paul walked right over to the fire and said, get where you belong. Go on where you belong, you little rats. Paul's hands, they were holy. They were shackled. You know what else they were? They were snake bit. I wonder what kind of rumors Paul had, especially if you were hear things in Rome, excuse me, in Philippians chapter 1. Some preach the gospel out of contention toward me. That is one heck of a snake bite, isn't it? Some people are saying, Paul's wrong. Paul's Jesus isn't the Jesus of the New Testament. You know what he did? He took that snake and threw it right where it belonged. He said, get thee behind me. Now what's an offense unto me? And while you're getting behind me, you might as well get in the fire. Paul's hands, holy, shackled, snake bitten. You might be sitting in the pew this morning. Say, Pastor Joshua, I need holy hands. How do I do that? You need to come to Jesus. Jesus can forgive. Jesus will forgive. Only Jesus can cleanse. Would you be willing to come to Jesus this morning? Would you be willing to get your heart right with Him? Can you say, Pastor Joshua, I feel like my hands are shackled. Well, you know what? My God, Jesus Christ, is in the freeing business. He loves to break chains. He loves to shake prison walls. He loves to make a way where there was no way. He loves to deliver those who are caught up in bondage. All you've got to do is cry out. Call upon His name, for great is the Lord Almighty on the 
is good. Some of us get snake bitten. We get afraid. We get afraid. You might sit there saying, well, he's shackled. Let him deliver you. Would you hear him call this morning? Would you hear him call out to Pharaoh? Let my children go. Would you hear him call out to the alcohol you're in bondage to? Let my son go. Would you hear him call out to the drugs you're caught up in? Let my daughter go. Would you hear him call out to Satan? Let my child go. It's time for us to realize that we have freedom in Jesus Christ. You have freedom. But what's keeping you in bondage? Have you been in bondage so many years? You say, I'm enslaved to it. God has a way of letting people go who are caught up in slavery. You think you've been there a long time? The children of Israel were slaves 430 years. And God came by, and then 10 days later, they were walking out in the wilderness, praising God Almighty. It's time for you to hear God say, let my children go. You got some shackled hands? Let Jesus free you. He's a prison-shaking Savior. Paul also had snakes in hands. Paul got bit by a snake. What makes you think you're not going to? It's going to happen. Somebody's not going to like what you have to say. Guarantee you somewhere down the line, someone's going to say, I don't like what Pastor Josh said this morning. I'm going to shake it in the fire. Whatever. I love that word nowadays. I learned it from today's children. <laughs> Whatever. It is great. Whatever. Just throw it in the fire. That's what Paul did when that snake bit him. Oh, it hurt a little bit. Guarantee you he went. Guarantee you he said, ouch. Guarantee everybody stared at him when he bit him. That's what we're afraid of most of all. They'll know something about me. Yeah, they'll know that you hurt when you get hit. That makes you, just like Paul, human. Human being. Turn with me back, please, to Philippians chapter 1. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. He writes to a church that did such a beautiful deed for him. What did they do? As you know, Paul's in prison when this letter is written. He is deeply in prison. He is so far down in the prison, he's not getting visited. They have him shackled to the wall. There's nobody in there. But perhaps one or two every now and then could come in and they deliver food to him close to him or sit down and take the letters with him. The church of Philippi took an offering together to the Apostle Paul. And with that offering, the prison that was there said, we will buy Paul's food. It wasn't like an American prison. If you weren't in prison there, if nobody fed you, you didn't see you'd think. If nobody sent money to you to be fed, you went hungry. The church of Philippi sent money to him. And he said, thank you. He said, thank you for loving me this much. Thank you for believing in me. People are turning away. They think because I'm in prison, I must have done something wrong. All I did was preach the gospel of God. This is a snake bite. What is a snake bite? Listen to what he says here. I want you to know, brothers, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be able to witness to every one of those guards who came in? I imagine they got to the point where they were dreading it. I've got to watch that guy again for three hours. He never shuts up. He must be a Baptist preacher. All he does is talk about Jesus. 
All He does is tell me I need to get saved. All He does is tell me that His God is a miracle-working God. Yet He's the one in chains. Yet He's the one that's begging for food. He's the one that can't see. Has hands that are shackled. And they're so snake-bitten. Yet, the Bible tells us the whole palace falls. Look who else it says there. And to all the rest. Who's all the rest? Oh, you remember Agrippa and Festus and Felix, don't you? That's who he's talking about there. That my chains are in Christ. Look at verse 14. And most of the brothers in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some, though, however, preached Christ even from envy and strife. That means they hated me, hate what I had to say. They hated that I said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. They hated that I said, anybody can be saved. They hated that I said, all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. They hated that I said that Christianity is the only way. They hated that I said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they began preaching Christ, even from envy and strife. But some also from goodwill. Well, we started by saying, on the other hand, have a hand this morning. You feel like you're shackled. Every time you look at it, you see the scars and the snake bites. You might look at it and say it's dirty. You might look at it and say it's been swimming or it's been holding things. Or it's in a prison right now. I want you to do what the Paul did. On the other Some preach. Some preach from goodwill. Look at verse 17. The latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes! And will rejoice. Where are you this morning? Have you been sitting there saying, My hands are shackled? And you've been sitting there saying, I'll never again pick up sticks because there's snakes in there. Yes, there are snakes. Isn't it great that God built a fire? <laughs> He's given us everything we need. You know what else is great? He knows we're cold, we're alone, and we're hungry. He knows that we need a Savior. And our God is mighty. I want to ask you, are you willing to come down the aisle this morning and put Jesus in your heart? Are you willing to get your heart right with Him? Or Pastor, one of those says, Pastor Joshua, my hands are not clean. Are you willing to come down the aisle and say, I'm a Christian, but I haven't been living right. You don't have to talk to me. Talk to God. Come on down to the altar this morning. That's what this altar is for. Now perhaps you say, Pastor Joshua, my hands are clean, but I feel so shackled. I feel so held back by my family, by my friends, by my fear willing to come today and say, Jesus, break these chains. Perhaps, like Paul, you're walking around with a snake hanging on your finger and you just don't know what to do with it. God's got a fire here for you. But you come this morning and shake that snake into the fire. You know what's funny? Paul didn't get a revelation from God. He didn't get a direct commandment that says, Paul, go therefore and shake the snake into the fire. Some of you have been waiting for that. 
God says, use your common sense. I gave you a bonfire. Throw that little rat in there. Would you be willing to come this morning and shake that snake off? Get rid of him and get back to work. We've got things to do. The fire is dying. Would you be willing to come this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. Your word is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray right now, Father God, that it cuts down into our hearts and into our lives. That if there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anyone, Father, that needs to get their heart right with you, that needs to be unshackled, Lord, that needs to have their hands clean, or needs, Father God, to shake the snake off, would you let them come? I want to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come as we sing? Near to the heart of God. you all. Hope you enjoyed your time of worship here with us at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll have evening worship. Don't forget Wednesday night at 6.30. Don't forget Friday at 5.30, fish fry. Don't forget Saturday, Vacation Bible School Workshop. And don't forget Jesus loves you. Amen. Alright. Well, my goodness. Let's close in that word of prayer. I'm going to ask uh, our assistant music director, Brother Mark Wiebus, would you close us in prayer this morning?